You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Activision has mentioned they have a 10-year vision for the Destiny franchise, discussing not just the planned sequel, but also the expansions we can expect from the game's second season. Bungie recently announced their last expansion for this first season of Destiny, and that's going to be House of Wolves. Despite harsh criticisms, the game has maintained a solid player base and won a number of Game of the Year awards as well as other awards. Vince and I have both put in a number of hours, both loving the gameplay. However, since release, we've both agreed that the game has suffered from horrible questing. We've commented often that the game's lore is prevalent everywhere. However, Bungie has not made the best use of that exceptional lore. They've recently made a point of discussing how hard they've been working at improving the game's questing. Whether or not this will be true, we'll see once House of Wolf releases. Last week, Deej, Christopher Barrett, and Gotha Leon, whatever, put on a nearly hour-long stream providing us with a wealth of House of Wolf news. Now, before I even start, did both of you actually watch it all? Some of it, not all of it, honestly, yeah, because I'm not, I'm not too far into Destiny yet. I just started playing it. Okay, what, did you pick up a, uh, a PS4? Nope. Oh, Oh, you're playing it on the one. Yeah. I'm playing it on the one with a bunch of people at work. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay. What are your initial thoughts on it? Very interesting. Like I like I like the way that the classes are laid out, and it's probably the first first person shooter on a console that I haven't hated outright. So that gives it some thumbs up in my book. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Destiny right now. I mean, Bungie is talking about having, and I quote, a Lord of the Rings size narrative in mind for it. So they're obviously planning something big. Whether or not that comes through is going to be another question because we've done enough playing now. And I know I I still keep bouncing into it to, to play it. We've put enough hours into it to understand how they want to progress with storytelling in their game right now. And that is through the bounties for the most part. Mm -hmm. And that's not always the best way to convey a story. And at that point, then you're relying on the world to fill in all of those gaps. But when all you're doing in said world is going in and blasting the shit out of anything that crosses your, 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 your path, then th- that's hardly going to immerse you in the story. Certainly the lore, the world and all that, but not necessarily the story. And the story with this is actually fairly cool because we've done stuff with the queen right now, not just, by way of the questing that was in there right from the get-go, but also like the Queen's Wrath event and different things like that. So we know the character. We hate her brother. We All of this <laughs> stuff is known to us. And so the idea of 
the fallen rebelling to the point of actually taking out some of the, the queen, queen's guards and you have like the, this house of wolves expanding across the universe and everything. The, the story behind it has the potential to be really, really cool and a lot of fun. But watching these guys right from um, the, the, the point where he's showing off the bounties and all that going back to the tower, he's saying how the, that he got that bounty from being at the reef to check it out. And then when he goes back to the tower, then he can complete that bounty. And you're like, again, you're going to be relying on bounties to tell your story. And they even hummed and hawed their way around the question of like introducing the grimoires into the game so mm-hmm. that people could study more of the lore. They kind of hummed around that and essentially, no, it's not going to be. So, I don't know that they're on the right track. The, the questing may be fantastic or the, the story, that lore of what the expansion is going to be in theory might be phenomenal. But the actuality of playing through it and, and knowing that's what you're doing, that I don't, I don't think it's going to hold water. Yeah, like when you're playing through the main campaign, you have no choice but to experience the story. You're locked into the cutscenes. You know, a lot of stuff is told through comms and missions. Like you can't help but at least be presented with it. Whether you pay attention to it or not is completely different. But with the bounty system and that being how they're using the storytelling and the quests, I know plenty of people who just walk up, hit the X button four times, and then yeah. run away. Yeah. They they don't read. They don't listen. It's that's the bounty. That's what I'm doing. Done. Okay, let's let's move on. And that's again the back before the last expansion, they were saying how they wanted to use what is it, I think the Thorn bounty as their example of how they want to proceed from then on with with questing and a lot of people did not think it was a good idea. Judging by the reception that the expansion got, a lot more people agreed with that. And it's sounding very much like we're going to get a lot more. Now, what we are being told in terms of the the lore for what's going on, the the different people that are going to be at the reef, the reef itself is stunning. The atmosphere mm-hmm. there is unbelievable, and it's just absolutely gorgeous. I love that you can suicide right off the edges <laughs> if you want, and uh, and there's going to be a lot of things there. They even said there's going to be like some hidden spaces that you can get into, some ghosts all over the place, and, and different things like that. So it's going to be that right there. It's like, yeah. hey Vince, <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Uh, I, I for, I've lost count of how many hours I spent searching for ghosts in that game. There's going to be a bunch more introduced, but even just they were showing the, uh, I'm assuming he's a community manager, was talking about the... Uh, uh, what about that Gathia? Gath- Gath- I can't even... Goth. <laughs> Gotha Leon. Sure. I'm not sure. I don't even... I don't even... Yeah, yeah I don't know who he is. Front man. It, it sounded like he was a community or a PR or something. But anyways, uh, yeah, he was finding ghosts different places throughout the reef. But yeah, from a strictly atmospheric look and, and immersing you into the wor- world, man, that reef is gorgeous. Well, I mean, the game, it, there's no doubt in my mind that the game's going to be pretty with everything they produce because, I mean, everything so far that I've seen has been really friggin' gorgeous. Like, even even the, the rusted feels of cars were gorgeous. Like, it's very detailed. So I, I, 
I have no problem thinking that anything that they do is going to be visually stunning. Yeah. In terms also in a lot of ways, them recognizing the, the sort of missteps they made with the dark below where there wasn't a lot of actual content. Like yeah. there, there was three new maps and a raid and like, that was it. So I think they realized that and put a lot of effort into making house of wolves worth the, money that they're charging for it yeah i i think that they're again they're, they're only putting in so much time because they are holding to their schedules at least we'll say that but like when asked about whether or not there'd be about the raid with this because people aren't happy that a full expansion is coming without a raid they kind of again talk their way around it talking instead about well we're going to have equivalent other content other things that are going to be put in so this is you know it's you're going to be able to do the trials of Osiris and all the other stuff. So again, it's, there was a lot of talking around some of the questions that I think that are fairly important to the people who are still playing this game fairly regularly, because for what we got in terms of that first season pass, I think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who thinks that the value was worth it for the season pass, especially if you were buying things separately as well. Yeah. So, you know, as an outsider looking in, it just seems like they're starting to make a, a lot of, I don't want to say discoveries, but they're starting to hit a lot of rough spots that we saw other companies hit like Blizzard multiple times where it's like they're trying to find that balance between what they're trying to produce, keeping the timelines and everything else. It just it seems like they just haven't found that balance yet. Yeah, I'm quite certain that Destiny 2 will probably be quite good. And it, again, these guys know what they're doing. So it's not that we have to afford them too much leeway. I mean, this is not a brand new little studio with brand new faces that don't know what they're doing. Now, going back to what we can actually expect, too, from this expansion, they did talk about some of the NPCs that are going to be prevalent and giving you various quests. For the, the, the Queen's Wrath, you're looking at Petra, who's going to be giving you a variety of quests, and she's there to, to offer the bounties, again, by way of that. there's your quest lines through the, through the bounties and whatnot. And then she's going to offer a crap load of different gears and more shaders. That Awoken ship? God damn, that was badass. <laughs> I like that. And then there's going to be the Queen's Wrath armor and weapons as well. Then there's also going to be the fallen NPC. And that's fairly cool because we haven't actually experienced anything remotely like that yet. And that's the warden for the prison of elders. And he represents the house of judgment. So again, you're going to get a whole bunch of different stuff from him as well. And I'm, I'm really hoping that some of that, again, can't expect too much because you're doing it by way of the bounties, but I'm hoping that they, they introduce some cool stuff because again, you're looking at a fairly interesting character there too. And he is actually fairly old too is one of the few remaining um like wardens from this uh, from this house of the fallen and he's loyal to the queen kind of like a, an informant they were saying so again very interesting npcs and then you also have brother vance who's from the disciple of osiris and he's going to be also you can trade in for a whole bunch of different things there, different gear and, and what have you and once again you can hopefully be able to get some more lore and different elements from him as well. I really dig the NPCs and where they're going story-wise. I'm just, again, I'm, I'm hoping that it all comes through in a way that is 
fun to play through and not just kind of immersing you in the lore, but actually giving you something that I want to know more of what happens with these characters. Yeah, and that's really what's important. Like, you, you just can't give us cool stuff and expect most players to take the initiative and search it out themselves because let's be honest most players won't yeah we're not most players but i want i wonder i wonder what the actual percentages of players that care about that or what just want to blast things because like i even know among from the group of people that i play with maybe two of us care about the actual like lore and story behind stuff and the rest of them just want to go and shoot things with really cool looking guns there's it's interesting I'm sorry, no, no, conversing with uh, my friends that play the game, they are all interested in it. Like, they want to know more. They just don't know where to go to get it. Like, we've sat down at lunch and had discussions of just me explaining stuff that I read in the grimoire to them. And they're like, that's cool. Why Why wasn't that there? Like, So there's, <laughs> there's an interest, but it, it, it's a matter of how much interest and how much work do you want to put into it learning it well i mean jesus people were saying why not even just present the grimoires so that people can read them while they're you know in their ship traveling to another Mm -hmm. planet or or on loading screens or whatever put up random facts and all that and they they won't even do that and you're like come on this is something that you really should be trying to work on it actually would work really in your favor and if we've learned anything from recent games as well not just ones that i like put more cards in your games (laughs) you already have these goddamn cards get yourself a little bit of artwork with them and shove those bastards on right now it'd be freaking awesome hell you could even use the cards effectively as a means of doing something or uh, or other as well like there's Activision, th- you can have this one for free. Yeah, let us play poker <laughs> for, in the oh Citadel yeah. with our grimoire cards. Yeah. There's so much you could do with this. It'd be freaking awesome, and it's just being wasted. And judging again by the reactions they've gotten on Reddit and different things like that as well, like people do actually want better questing. They wouldn't be talking about constantly trying to be better with their questing if it weren't for the fact that people are bringing it up as often as they do. Now, strictly in terms of cool-ass shit that's going to be in the game as well, the stuff with upgrading your weapons and your gear is fantastic because if you prefer to play alone, where, I mean, you can do the queuing up for looking for group stuff and whatnot, but you don't do the big end raids with a clan or whatever. There's actually going to be a way for you to upgrade all of your gear so that you can reach the max light level. It'll take you quite a while longer, but you will be able to do it. That is freaking awesome because that's a huge hurdle. Even though I played a lot and not nearly as much now, but I mean, I, God, I played a lot of this game and I, and I will be playing more as this comes out and before as well. It's you reach that plateau that if you are not in a clan and doing the raids or, or, or stuff like that, you are missing out on a lot of gear and it is going to affect that light level. And then you find it much harder to complete different things. So, Putting this in so that people can can hang on to it and and level up their their stuff is cool. What's also cool about this is that it's 
it's kind of a transmog feature. They brought that up kind of in the, 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 the Twitch stream there because it allows people to wear what they like. And then what it does is it upgrades the gear. So you got the look that you want. It's got the perks that you like, and then you get to level it up instead of replacing it with something else. That That's, I think that's even better than transmog because you get to keep those perks. And if you don't like the perks, they're even putting in reforging for weapons. So you can actually pay with various shards and different things and you buy this token that trans that uh, reforges a weapon and will completely change the perks on it to something completely different. So if you like a certain type of weapon, the way that it feels or whatever, you can just mess with those perks that are on it until you find the ones that you like. That's freaking brilliant. Like the stuff that they're putting in for the fun gameplay sounds phenomenal. See, and, and this is the thing where it's a perfect example of something that I've been saying. If you're occupying the space of an MMO, MMO Lite, anything in that regard, beg, borrow, steal, and improve from everybody out there. The idea of being able to re-roll your stats, absolutely something that I would like to see in more games. And having it here makes sense. Having stuff where you can customize the 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 look and then have the stats and bonuses match what you want to look like. That's cool as shit, and I agree with you. That's probably better than Transmod because it gives you an incentive to keep that sort of those gear beyond just occupying bank space, right? And I, I think that's kind of important too because you have that that sort of economy uh, of of space versus coolness. Steal those ideas, use them. I'm happy with this. This is exciting. Yeah, yeah. I again, I much prefer this over transmog and it'll be nice too because like they said two people will finally look different everybody's not going to have the exact same outfits on because you can find something that's just you know not that spectacular but has really nice perks that you like and then just upgrade that shit so is this going to make you want to play more of it maybe but not sure i yeah yeah it's just it's a busy spring there's Final Fantasy to be played. Exactly. <laughs> and we'll get to that in a minute. Before we do, though, Joe, there was some Witcher 3 news that you wanted to talk about. Oh, my God. There's so much Witcher 3 news. Just cementing it as a game that probably is one of the most anticipated for me of the year. We got to see for the first time the actual scope and size of the map in question. And when I say that, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to build an open world, they're trying to build the sandbox, they're trying to have that sort of MMO type experience, but without it being an MMO, the size of the map that they showed off is fucking huge. This makes Skyrim look tiny. That's how big this map is. That's how many things, how many areas you can go to. And they're starting to show off in here in particular all the different areas that you can go to, including the Witcher's homeland, which is kind of a big thing. That was super, super cool because, I mean, how how big are games nowadays really, right? How many games have we had that have, have boasted these huge environments but have caught you off? They don't want to do that here. There's going to be edges of the world but they're going to be natural boundaries. And then the length of time to get places, like in the video they were showing, it took 20 minutes to to go from halfway past the continent to the north part of the continent on horseback. That's a long time to be running around in a game. 
that's as cool as shit to me. And also on top of this, they're saying that they're going to have it be a no loading type of game. Like it's going to be seamless as you travel to these zones. So you're not going to have breaks in the immersion, which is kind of cool. That was actually a big one because that's, that's huge. Then they've found a way to cash and stream it somehow because I doubt mm. very much they're loading all of that in. Granted, yeah, I can see that more for this generation's consoles or sure. PCs or whatever. But even then, that's a pretty impressive feat if the if it comes off well. And then they're talking about uh, additionally on top of having those big worlds and having it be an open world where you can kind of go. They're talking about how as you go to those areas, you can pick up side quests, but the side quests aren't just going to be random things that occur. Side quests are going to have an impact on the greater story. So as you complete or don't complete certain side quests, it's going to have an impact on your main story quests and the branching quests from those, which I thought was very, very cool. We talk about having your decisions matter in a game. Sometimes in a game like this, it's really hard to, to kind of make that claim, but to have it so that you can complete tasks or not complete tasks uh, and have that affect what you get and what you don't get is good, especially in a game on that scope. Like we're talking about the, the, the breadth of this world to have something like that woven into it where it's going to have a direct impact. That's also a huge undertaking. If it comes true. That's the problem with that promise is that we've heard it far too many times. And then what winds up happening is at the end, you get a Mass Effect 3 kind of thing where your choices make absolutely no difference whatsoever. So, I mean, if they pull it off, great. But even then, you got to wonder, not everything's going to have an impact on the ending unless they're going to use your choices and factor in a type of reputation assigned to whatever choices you make or or things like that. And then that over time will be what affects that ending because, I mean, again, you can only have so many choices as you progress that will have an impact towards the end. I mean, they might pull it off exactly like in a huge, huge way. And if so, fantastic. It's just, that's one of the big ones that I'm fairly skeptical about nowadays. I have a lot of faith in CD Projekt. I really, really do. And they care about this IP and they care about the game. And it's evident when they talk about it. And not just because, you know, they're excited because they're putting out a game. They want you to be excited, but because they actually care about the subject material. They care about the longevity of their game. And they want to find ways to engage people to want to play the game beyond the main story quests. So they want to give you incentive to play the 250 plus hours of gameplay that they're putting in here, not just the main quest lines. And I mean, they're talking about doing it Mass Effect 2 style, where the side quests affect the main story in that capacity, but trying to take it a step further. Uh, at one point, I believe I read somewhere that they're trying, they, they didn't want to take a jab at it, but they want to be essentially what ME3 failed to do. And I think that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to see a lot of that, like little tiny aspects of that, where it's whether it's picking up bandits, raiding bandit camps, and then having that like towns saved later, things like that. You can see little elements of that. Like there was a scene where the same town, and it was something they didn't talk about, but it's something that I caught. It was the same town that they showed in one of the videos that in one instance was a perfectly normal town. They came back to it later. It was burned to the fucking ground. So, I mean, like, if they have stuff like that in there, I'll be happy. I I have faith. I really honestly do. 
do, do I have the option to be the one to burn it to the ground? <laughs> yes, as the Witcher, you probably always have the option to burn it to the ground. <laughs> but then we're also going to get, like, there's also cool little touches there, too, from uh, basically nods to the stories, the books that, that birth the games. Uh, going to the Witcher homeland, you are going to be able to fight alongside other Witchers, which, aside from your protege, you haven't, or your protege, Siri you haven't really interacted with too many witchers in the game franchise. And one for Roger, there is a collectible card game called Gwent. <laughs> that is that is going to be so robust that you can have complete card tournaments in the game with other players with Gwent cards that you collect throughout the world that can consume all of your time. And the artwork on the cards is amazing. I don't know if you saw the art on those cards, uh, Roger. No. They're classic style. It's absolutely wonderful. And if it's You're anything like far too much joy in that, I am taking tons way, of joy. Way, in it. Too much, <laughs> way too much. Because Gwent, Gwent was a big social thing in the books. Anywhere you went in the world, people played Gwent. It's like, it was like chess here. Like it's one of those things in like old culture. Chess was pretty prevalent in a lot of different parts of the world where there were variations of it. Sure. But that's what Gwent is. So it's kind of an important story element too, because, and like, I'm going to go ahead and and make a guess that if it's anything like they're drawing from the book with Gwent, there are prized cards that are collector's issues, not their collector's editions, not just because that they're, you know, they're rare, but because they mean something, they have symbolism, they have importance to the world or that individual. I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. So you're going to be playing online. That that portion be, will be multiplayer. It can be. You also be able to play against NPCs. They've said that there's going to be uh, like a den or whatever. They they didn't really go into too much detail on it, but there's going to be like almost like a gambler's den type deal. <laughs> I knew I knew I was going to get it as soon as I said it. I knew that <laughs> Roger's going to buy the game now. Watch. Now nah, we'll see. We'll see. I still need to start playing the freaking card game in, in Final Fantasy. Yes. Apparently I have time to waste. <laughs> Let's move on to Final Fantasy. We got some cool Heaven's Ward news. It wasn't really news, but it was the release of a nearly eight minute long video that is used for the benchmarking. And this was just freaking gorgeous. <laughs> it's really <laughs> beautiful. And it, it really hypes you up for what's coming up and you're looking at having like the, the they showed the a lot of the the flying with the the flying mounts obviously and some different types of flying mounts as well the scenery was gorgeous you're looking at again the the flying kind of islands in the floating i should say islands in the sky and things like that it was absolutely beautiful and then as they get closer in and diving down closer to the ground then it basically looks like pretty much everywhere else in in the world that they've created although it does look better they did say that too because with the expansion it's going it's going to have more poly counts so it should look better and then they show They're also upgrading the engine to work with uh, DirectX 11 yeah yeah that too so it does look beautiful and then you saw a whole bunch of battling going on as they're flying some of it looks like it was probably fates Friggin' badass fate <laughs> looks <laughs> looked cool as hell, especially some of the abilities that were flashing. You're going, ooh, because I was watching with Tristan. This was late, and we we're watching. And it was like, ooh, that looks interesting. Ooh, look at that. They uh, they showed off fishing. Still not exciting. Mm. Can't uh, 
That robot coming out of the water, that's the one that's going to be the raid, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Because that is freaking badass (laughs) when you see that thing slowly coming up. And then that epic sky dragon in the clouds. It's funny because, once again, sitting down with my son and my son (laughs) saying, that'd be cool if you could fight him. And no sooner does he finish saying that, that it dives down and then up and it looks like it's going to eat them. And I was going, Ooh, that might very well be some kind of encounter. If so, awesome. The thing I like most about this is while not a straight reproduction of gameplay, it's definitely very relatable to what we can expect once we actually get our hands on it. Like it's, it's more refined. It's got nice camera angles. It's, it, it's got a more cinematic quality, but realistically there's nothing in this trailer that you probably can't actually do yeah. in the game. Like fight that crazy moose cat dragon creature. <laughs> Whatever the fuck that was. Moose cat, moose cat dragon, dragon, creature. dragon creature. Look at it. <laughs> Seriously, there was an orgy with a whole bunch of stone zoo animals going on when they designed that. Cause, wow. So, but yeah, there I don't was, know why they bothered bringing a whole party. Apparently, all you need is one dragoon. Yeah, you can see that's what I love too. <laughs> We're watching it, and everybody's fighting hard, and you go, "All right," and then freaking dragoon came in and owned it. <laughs> then it was like that was awesome. That's why I want to be a dragoon. <laughs> and you were saying that final ability that whatever he was doing, what, what were you calling that? That's the the new level three limit breaks, because as it is right now, limit breaks are designed by role. There's a healer limit break, a tank limit break, you know, melee and range with uh, Heaven's Word. Each class is getting their own unique level three limit break. So that's a a special ability you can use in dungeons once you've uh, defeated enough enemies. That was gorgeous. (laughs) That was freaking awesome. So I, I love this. There was also a really good article that was written up on uh, massively OP regarding how to get to where you are to be ready to the point to be ready for heaven's award. I already know my sister and my, again, my son and I were talking about saying we are not going to be playing that content right away. It's going to take a little while. And in fact, it's gotten to the point where, cause I was messing around with a few other little characters and whatnot. I'm going to have to concentrate solely on one, even if I'm not playing with him, Luckily, by way of the different classes or professions, we can still be the same level on different content and stuff like that. But I have to just progress with other classes because or professions, one character, because it's taken too goddamn long otherwise to to level up. And I do want to see this content on the bright side. I've been focusing on my warrior. Unfortunately, I've been focusing on leveling up his triple triad and chocobo racing skills. <laughs> but now, I, I will admit I have kind of a concern of the amount of content that's required just to start on the Heavensward story and how easy it's going to be to do that content once Heavensward launches. Like how many people are going to be running those instances and how hard is it going to be to find a group once everybody's in Ishgard having fun without us? I really think this is going to be, we're going to get to a point where we're going to have to find a decent guild where we can do stuff with people if we want to. I don't know if you found one. I I actually, I got my son and I got a couple of characters into one, but we've only played a few times and chit chatted very little. So I don't know, but yeah, it's, 
it's tricky when you're reading this, again, this article, article, and it's talking about how there are spans there, level spans, where your biggest hurdle is your gear because you need a specific gear level in mm-hmm. order to run specific instances to then progress your main storyline. I hate that shit, but I'm willing to put up with it, but I, I really, really hate that. And, I mean, there's several big hurdles there before you get to the end of the content as it stands now to prep you for heaven's word. And how that's still fun as hell. Yeah. (laughs) So how close are you then? Not even remotely. Not even remotely. (laughs) I'm level 34. And I I have hit the, I've talked so many times about how great a job the game does of building you up for higher end group content. Well, I finally hit the point where the gloves are off. <laughs> Does the dungeon I tanked the other night beat the ever-living shit out of me? <laughs> we did it, but it was like, okay, we, we've we've taught you everything there is to know. Here's the deep end of the pool. Yeah. Hope your healer has enough mana. <laughs> Seems legit. Well, there are a lot of cool things. Like I said, this is a great video. Definitely make sure to check it out. It will certainly inspire you to go out and level and play just so that you can experience this stuff. But that video wasn't the best one they released. Oh, you! I knew you'd like the fighting one. <laughs> go ahead. The ultimate fight Final Fantasy fourteen, where they made a spoof fighting game out of a lot of the in-game assets and... I need this to be a thing. It has to exist. I need this in my life. It calls to your soul? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It was awesome. I will give you that. It was especially the, what's the name of the blind one that was actually one of the first ones? I like her. She's awesome. (laughs) She was awesome. I saw her kicking ass and I'm going, you go girl. (laughs) I mean, the game's unbalanced because Merle Vib is selectable. So, I mean, that's top tier right there. Yeah. Oh, and in that video too, we also saw some more of the uh, the three new jobs as well too. Mm-hmm. That machinist looks still freaking awesome, and Yu Gi Oh want to be there too. Actually, I'm Kinda, still all about that Dark Knight. That those cards got me interested because now it just looked cool as shit. <laughs> I was going, ooh, I wonder if you could change the cards if you got different effects. That'd be awesome. I still I think it should be based it. off your Triple Triad deck. That'd be cool too. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> okay, let's move on. There was some uh, Silent Hill uh, news. It wasn't that good. Joe, go ahead. This is sad news. Sad, sad news. So there's been a bunch of rumors going around about the state of the Silent Hills project from Konami, especially with the uh, what we heard of Kojima leaving the project and, in fact, leaving Konami, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Sad day. Uh, they've been dancing around the speculation saying that, well, you know, it's just rumors, it's just rumors, it's just rumors, until today when it was been confirmed that the project is now dead as a doornail. Not that Silent Hill itself is gone as an IP and that they were going to continue on with other projects, but the one that we were looking for with Kojima and Del Toro is effectively done. And it had so much potential, too. This is really sad news for anybody that was a fan of the Silent Hill franchise. Did you guys play PT? No. And you, Joe, you don't even have a PS4. so I don't have a PS4. It was such a cool experience. Yeah. And if that's what they were working towards for the new Silent Hill game, like, 
that's disappointing. And I, because as far as setting a mood and getting you involved, like there was so much subtle stuff that was done in that little teaser. It, it's a huge loss. It really is because, I mean, it had such potential. And even if you look at like, there's been a bunch of jump scare compilations. There's been a bunch of uh, reaction videos to what they've been doing and everything that they were doing, everything, the directions that they were going so far was right on. And it's just, it's really, really sad. And then the the other nail in the coffin was Norman Reedus. Um, Their contract, their partnership expired with him. So, yeah, whoops. Uh, And I just, I don't, I want to know what actually happened because there is a, there has to be a story here because it's not like them to just drop something like that mid-production with those big names unless there's a reason. There, there's obviously something going on because I mean Kojima and Konami are they've cut ties altogether. Like yes. I don't know what the heck's going on with Metal Gear now. And I was reading today Konami delisted itself off the stock exchange. It did. So I'm, I'm I, I don't know. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They're up for sale. Yeah, and they're they're cutting expenses as anywhere they can. That that's what mm-hmm. I'm thinking too. Like it has all the earmarks of a company that's about to go up for sale. As long as somebody good gets Castlevania, I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, there was also some Alan Wake 2 news that you found that I found interesting. Vince? Yeah, Polygon had a really cool article where they got uh, an interview with the guys from Remedy and the promo that they had put together for what was supposed to be Alan Wake 2, their prototype. Because they went into Alan Wake with the assumption that there were going to be sequels. And they structured the story in that way, as we know, because still that ending of the first game <laughs> and they were well Haunts into still <laughs> they were well into development on Alan Wake 2 and shopping it around to various publishers before they just ended up scrapping the idea and moving on with Quantum Break and god I need this game <laughs> they should have stayed with Alan Wake 2 yeah because I, the 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 concept they were going with for the story structure is wrapping around a filmmaker working on a documentary as to what happened to this famous writer that just disappeared and diving into, you know, the public's perception of Alan and how twisted that has become in the meantime. We have the, uh, a lot of the gameplay elements actually got kind of cycled into American Nightmare, stuff like the the rewriting reality, but we're seeing it here on like a grander scale and, and what it could have been for a larger game. And the stuff like the end of this prototype just blew me away where, again, diving into that fiction versus reality mentality that uh, that sounded terrible. I apologize. Mm-hmm. But diving into that fiction versus reality that the Alan Wake franchise has really prided itself upon where an episode of Night Springs is playing where aliens are abducting people and then Alan suddenly finds himself being abducted by aliens. <laughs> You cannot show me that without giving me this game at some point because I I assume the two of you are in line with me that Alan Wake is one of my favorite experiences from the last generation. Like, oh, well, I, oh, yeah. I still tell people to play the game because yeah. it was that great. And American Nightmare, for what it was, was f- 10 times better than it had any rights to be for a little $15 downloadable title. So... 
it's sad because a lot of what we see here in this prototype won't be in any potential sequel that they might work on after Quantum Break because they rolled a lot of it into American Nightmare, which I'm also kind of happy about because Mr. Scratch is one of the best video game villains I've ever seen. <laughs> but it's it's sad that this franchise that had so much potential and so many people really loved kind of faltered because it had the misfortune of releasing on the same day as Red Dead Redemption. What I liked about this is part of what made Alan Wake so cool was was that he was a writer. I mean, mm-hmm. let alone everything else about the the game that was phenomenal. But the fact that he was a writer was just, again, it, it was so well done throughout that it influenced gameplay in such a large way. And so then the idea of instead it being this, you know, documentary maker or whatever instead and giving that same attention to the profession, but just it being something different, like whether it's about having the camera with him or different things like that and how it would influence gameplay. That'd be freaking awesome. Like a full game of that. What I absolutely loved about Alan Wake in general, and just because I have to talk about it just a little bit, was that it was a story about an unreliable narrator that was also a writer. And that, that sort of irony was just paired throughout the entire the entire series as far as like what we got for DLCs and everything else. And I just absolutely fell in love with it. And this may, like you said, like there's a lot of... I, I want a lot of this to show up in different games. I want I want more. I want to have more with Alan Wake done. And honestly, I would love to see what could be cooked up for the next generation consoles or current generation consoles uh, with the different lighting effects and the different audio qualities that they can push through these machines now, not just on the PCs, but on the like the giant, you know, giant home TV setups. I don't know. I want more. Like I just, I miss Alan Wake. I don't know if I don't know if that makes sense, but I just, I just miss it. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Alan Wake was a good buddy. (laughs) It was. All right. There was some news on Warhammer. I actually saw this, and I just put the the link in the show notes and wrote Joe. I didn't even look at what it is. I just kind of looked at it and said, oh, that looks interesting. Slap it in there. Put Joe's name on it. I know you love this stuff. So what is it that they were telling us about? Okay, so are you familiar with the Total War uh, games at all? Somewhat. Sega RTS set usually into like Rome or other like mm-hmm. classic settings. Yeah, they uh, they partnered up with Games Workshop here, and they are releasing a full-on Warhammer title, and not just one title. They're planning on at least a trilogy, which is huge news. Why this is a big deal? This is the first time Total War has ever done anything high fantasy. We're talking not just you know, orcs and humans and different armies like that. We're talking giant fucking monsters. We're talking world ending spells, demons, uh, visual effects that are just going to be absolutely off the chain. This, this announcement cinematic trailer was absolutely phenomenal all the way up to the end of it, where you see the corruption of what should have been a priest of the empire to the God of change Zinch, which is one of the biggest baddies in all of the, Warhammer Fantasy and 40K universes. This is huge. Why this is also huge? Games Workshop has not had a successful Warhammer Fantasy title ever. Ever. Every time they've released a game in the past, it's been just 
total flop or the controls have been absolute garbage or the companies that they've they farmed it out to haven't been able to give it the, the attention that it needs. This, however, is perfect because Warhammer as a whole, as a tabletop game, fits incredibly well into an RTS framework and giving it that sort of total the, the, the total war treatment is phenomenal because it's a solid engine. I honestly can't wait for this. Like, I I didn't know this was a thing until we talked about it maybe last week a little bit, or I saw something pop up about it last week. But I'm I'm actually really excited. I I, I did watch the video, and that's why I watched it. And I went, "Wow, Joe's probably wetting himself right now because <laughs> it does look pretty awesome." If you're into the Warhammer stuff, even if you're not, even if you're just into high oh, that's fantasy, true. that's true. That's true. Yeah. Let's move on to the Batman Arkham Knight trailer that we got as well, too. Um, I'll follow you. They'd been kind of teasing with little clips of each of the allies we're going to see. And just so you get an idea of the character models and different things like that. And this kind of showed everybody, including how you're going to be able to work combos in with your allies, which is cool as hell. And, of course, they had to ruin it by showing us Azrael's going to be. <laughs> of course. Well, I don't know. What we've seen from Azrael so far isn't all bad. He's not Batman, so it can't be that bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. True. <laughs> True. But I love this video. I thought it was fantastic. I I like that we're seeing essentially pre-52 kind of people and, like, Barbara's Oracle and she's in her wheelchair and we're getting the um, like Nightwing's wearing the right damn color. <laughs> right. <laughs> I hate what they did with the Batman cowl, the face mask, because it pushes on his cheeks and it makes him look like he has duck face for some of his pictures. <laughs> Some of the angles, it looks like he's kind of being a little pouty in case somebody has a cell phone pointed at him. <laughs> Got to be prepared for everything, man. The tank versus Batmobile stuff combat was like, okay, we're obviously going to see a lot more stuff in that Batmobile that's going to be freaking awesome. So I don't know if you guys had anything particular to say about it. I just thought it was freaking cool as hell. And I, I love the new character models for everybody as well. Everything I'm seeing from this is just pure fucking gold. Yeah. Like, there's just no no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to some Mad Max news. Vince? Yes, Mad Max. <laughs> I'm going to see Avengers in three days, and I'm more excited about watching Mad Max in two weeks. <laughs> this is 100% my jam. Uh, but we're finally getting some stuff out of the new Mad Max game that's coming out. And I love how they say there are three characters in Mad Max. Two of them are important. The Wasteland and the car. <laughs> and they've done a lot of work uh, making the Wasteland really vibrant. Like it's not just a bunch of junk thrown around like it all has its own character. It all has its own persona, various areas, and who's in control of it. It has a different look. It has a different feel. It has different objectives. And you're going to be spending so much time in that wasteland because pretty much the sole purpose of the game is just finding upgrades for your car and making it as badass as possible. 
that is the game I want to play. Action RPG racer. Yes, please. You guys don't even like racing games. But they're not Mad Max. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There's that action RPG aspect of it, too. (laughs) So, you know, it's kind of an important thing for me, at least. All right. And they showed off some of the hand-to-hand combat. It's definitely your Assassin's Creed, uh, Arkham City style, but holy crap, is it brutal, and I love it. I this this game is pretty high on my list. See, I'm going to be and I'm the one that likes racing games more than you guys. And I'm going to be holding off just to see how how good the formula is, because we all thought at least I I know that I, too, really thought that the crew formula was going to work. And be something that was just fantastic. And that came back and bit me on the ass for nearly a hundred bucks worth. So I'm really Ubisoft kind of, gonna Ubisoft. Yeah, I wanna hold off for the um for this until we find out exactly what's going on. If it is that good, if it is if it does everything well, then yeah, I'll definitely pick it up and play it. Cause something like that, especially if it had wheel support for like a Logitech wheel or something. Dude, that'd be fun. I think this is one where we can apply the cautiously optimistic label. Do you know what I want? (laughs) If they could do this, they'd have me sold. Is make it so that it has... Put a collectible card game. (laughs) Yeah, really? (laughs) Why not? It makes sense. They could make it work. Pinks or lies. We're racing for decks. Dude. (laughs) And put them in like the spokes of your tires and stuff. (laughs) <laughs> but no, and I almost forgot what I was going to say, but I didn't. If it gave you support for like a, a wheel, so like a Logitech wheel or some other brand, and then also allowed you to use the the move as if it was a shotgun or a gun or whatever. So you could use the wheel to drive around and then use the move to shoot at stuff. That would be friggin' awesome. That's actually some next level stuff that... I would be okay with. Yeah. I would buy a move <laughs> just for that if they did it because that would be freaking awesome. So there you go. That was a free one too, boys. <laughs> Whoever's developing this game. That, that, that's Roger so. saying, please do this so I can give you my money. All right. We got some Terra news as well, which I did see, but I kind of just glossed over it simply because I'm not really playing Terra right now. Are you actually playing right now, Joe? I bounce in and out kind of right. like it's it's one of those things where I'll it's like Guild Wars too. like I'll pop into it for a little bit, see what's going on, then pop out. But this, however, might make me want to actually play a little bit more. The Gunner class is kind of cool to to p- pull a quote from the article. It's like playing the Terminator, but put into the Terror universe. Giant fucking guns of arcane awesomeness. Uh, one of the things that we we talked about when we talked about Terra way, way, way back when, when we were all excited about it before we got burned and scarred and made very, very sad, was that it was in, supposed to be action-oriented, engaging gameplay. Sadly, it didn't really come out to that. But everybody who's got hands-on with the Gunner class so far has said that this is what combat should have been from the very beginning. Oh, yeah. 
that you're constantly running around, uh, that you are constantly doing things are, you're always engaged in doing something. And it wasn't until you come up against like really horrendously over leveled things. You realize that you're playing an MMO. Like it feels like an action shooter with this class, which kind of intrigued the hell out of me because that sounds really cool. Sadly, that doesn't fix the questing either in the game. No, it doesn't. But well, just or too any bad. of the numerous or any other, other yeah, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Man, because it's too bad because I did like quite a number of things in the game, but then there was the stupidity that I just couldn't get past. So anyways, last bit of news, which excited the crap out of me, was Telltale is partnering up with Marvel to make games. Now, there's not a lot of information that's come out as of yet, so we don't know what they're going to be working on. Who knows? But having seen what they can do with so many different IPs and make it awesome, this just really got me excited. Let's look at some of the moves that Marvel's been making that have been really smart ones lately. TV shows on Netflix. Thumbs up. Bringing things back in the house to Marvel Knight Studios. Thumbs up. Partnering with Telltale Games for story-driven <laughs> superhero comic book-related video games. Thumbs fucking way up. Okay, let's just off the top of your head. <laughs> off the top of your head. We'll start Vince. What are like three storylines, even if it's just short little ones or whatever, that you'd love to see Telltale tackle? Oh God! You're putting me on the spot. Yes, like I this? am. I am. Uh, uh, <laughs> Craven's Last Hunt. Ooh, ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, Dark Phoenix and Frog Thor. <laughs> of course, you want Frog <laughs> Thor. <laughs> Such a jackass. Just so that Roger would be forced to play a game about Frog Thor. God. All right. And admit that it's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, but all right. Joe? In the context of a video game, potentially, I would honestly, I'd like to see Age of Apocalypse. Okay. Uh, Other than that, maybe Annihilation. Ooh. Annihilation, I think, would be a good choice. And then I'm probably going to go with an unpopular one, but one that I think would be really, really fun uh, would be Daredevil Born Again. Is that one of the ones that we read, Vince? Yeah, I, okay. I can actually see them doing some creative <laughs> stuff with the with the decisions in Born Again. Yeah, because it was kind of like a pivotal moment, and it was kind of it was it was classic Miller. So, see, I'm thinking Miller, but I'm thinking the um, that Wolverine run that mm-hmm. was in the '80s. That little mini series that would be old man spectacular. Logan. No, but that's the other one too. <laughs> Fair enough. But no, this is the one that has um, where he's fighting off the ninjas and all that, and at the end marries Mariko and and whatnot. That's the that was in mid eighties. Legacy that was, of Logan, I th- something like that i can't remember what it was no, called. it was just the original i wolverine. thought it was just wolverine yeah that was all oh, just wolverine yeah it was a four or six parter i think it was a four. four yeah so that would be awesome old man logan is the other one i would love to see that and then i would like to see it, I, I won't use it as a 
something, but like the the stuff that Reminder wrote for Uncanny X Force, mm-hmm. mm. that would be next gen awesome kind of stuff. But I would actually go and, with and you could really get into like the the decision based oh, stuff. God, like, yeah. Do you do you kill the kid? You know, exactly. do you kill Warren? Like that that would be straight on. Actually, that would be awesome. But more so than that, I would go Planet Hulk. That would be just freaking I, cool. I as would want shit. Planet Hulk as a non Telltale game because if you're going to give me a game with Hulk, I need to smash. You can still do some yeah. kind of <laughs> smashing platform side to side <laughs> and and get away with it. But I just think that again, yes, there's a lot of action in that one, but there's also so much intellectual cerebral stuff going mm-hmm. on with him as well throughout the actual story that man that'd be awesome really really cool but I there's think so realistically many. we'll probably see something more along the lines of civil, civil war. war yeah, yeah for, sure. That's, for that's sure that's a given yeah what I, it's 2017 because isn't isn't civil war slated for 2017 roughly uh no 2016 yeah, I, I thought it was sooner than that yeah. yeah like they're i think they're starting filming it like tomorrow actually because Chris Evans was just talking about how he had to shave off his beard. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, there's so many different things that would be awesome. Also, it would depend. I would assume they're getting, you know, rights to do pretty much whatever they want, which means you're not going to have problems with who appears in what. So you can have your Spider-Man in different uh, different storylines that involve the Avengers and whatnot. And that's the only one, too, man. Look at all the Spider-Man stories you could do. Oh, my oh, God. God. Spider-Verse. From Telltale? If they gave God. me a Spider-Man Noir, oh yeah, I would I would just shove like if it was a three hundred dollar pre order, they'd get my money in a fucking heartbeat. So very 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 excited. This was actually the news that had me the most excited when I saw this. It was like because <laughs> I'm looking at a picture with two logos. Yeah, right. Possibilities <laughs> that that imagination just went nuts, and it was at that point just possibilities and the other thing too is that it's it's because we've seen them do such amazing things with everything and not just that but do it on a a fast reasonably fast schedule so Mm -hmm. it would stand to reason that we should see hopefully a number of things from them that would be marvel this was just a matter of time too right like what what is Telltale Games if nothing else than an interactive comic book? Yeah, like this is just this is a perfect. Yeah. This is a match made in heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I would I I would actually like them to make a deal with DC as well, because there are a I, number of things no. that they could do with DC that would be awesome. So yeah, and here's where I actually have some insider knowledge, and I know this will never happen. It's because anytime you want to do something with the Warner Brothers DC uh ip you have to get it cleared by their board and it has they don't like innovative ideas it has to literally be i want to take this triple a game on this triple a game and we're going to produce it with your skin that's what they're looking for so we're never going to see telltale uh pair up with dc and i think that's probably for the best until dc pulls their head out of their fucking ass You've been making some smarter <laughs> choices it is possible really? that some we smarter might choices this is a discussion to, for Comic Book do, Informer. I was going to say, do I need to come on Comic Book Informer and rant about tattoos? Because I will. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> 
we, 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 you don't have to be like the voice of reason when it comes to DC with Vince and I. Okay. No, but it's, just, it's just one of those things where I've, I've seen firsthand like people that I know that have worked on projects with them become completely dejected because it's also one of those things where unlike Marvel, Marvel will give – like we've seen that they will give people room to do what they need to do. Yes, yes they're going to want to f- give a final approval, but – they're, they've given people room. DC doesn't give people that room right now. Warner Brothers DC puts a stranglehold on all of their IPs, which is why everything flounders. Okay. And it was just Sorry. an idea for fuck's sakes. God, Fine Joe, image then. Whatever. <laughs> Would I love to see it? Yes. Do I think it's going to happen? No. <laughs> I want to see Rat Queens. Oh, God, Telltale. Yes. God, that would be awesome. Give me, like, give, me, give me some Archie comics and Telltales. Give me some Archie Afterlife, damn yeah, it. There, there's so many different things. So this is a step in the right direction. Had me all manner of excited. And we will stop it at that. We have a fantastic <laughs> feature coming up from Joe on Crypt of the Necro Dancer. I didn't ask for this. It was volunteered. Oh yeah. Definitely enjoy. Next week, we've got a fantastic show lined up as well. And you can find us on uh, I, I'm going to just start that over because I screwed it up. You can find the show notes at forthelore.com. Make sure to stop by on Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern time at forthelore.com slash live for the live stream. And, of course, you can find us on Twitter at forthelore or individually Joe at loaders at J, Vince at Simodian, or myself at Zen Buddhist. And you can leave us your thoughts and comments on iTunes or Stitcher. And with that, we will see you next week. Crypt of the Necrodancer is described as a hardcore, dungeon-crawling, roguelike rhythm game. That's a mouthful, uh, but it is a very accurate description. It is produced by Brace Yourself Games, where players move in time with the rhythm of the music from the provided soundtracks, of which there are three, or their own MP3s. The game is done in a visually classic pixel style, with the music ranging from electropop, dance, to rock. You navigate through the dungeon by clicking movement keys, buttons, or pads in accordance with the music's rhythm. One action can be performed per beat. The beat is visualized by bars moving towards the heart in the middle of the screen. The heart will beat once the bars meet the middle. Actions can be performed on the upbeat or the downbeat, and the bars will readjust to your specification. As with moving, you can only attack a monster with the music's beat. Every monster killed without missing a single beat adds to the groove change and acts sort of like a multiplier and gives you additional gold uh, or a multiplier effect of the gold that's dropped by the enemies while the chain is active. However, your groove chain has other effects with certain weapons, armor, and tools. Adapting to monsters following different patterns while keeping your groove chain active is the key to staying victorious throughout the game. As said before, the gameplay revolves around rhythm, with the most obvious part that you can only act in accordance with the beat of the music. The same applies, though, to all monsters you encounter. However, this is pretty much just the tip of the iceberg. The behavior of all enemies is dictated by rhythm and patterns, can only be understood with rhythm in mind. A typical example is enemies that may only attack every second beat, indicated by their animation, or can only move on certain upbeats or downbeats. That's part of this game, paying attention to the patterns of the enemies versus the music that's going on. Some will have different indicators, such as skeletons will raise their hands before they're about to lunge at you and attack. Some ghosts can only be attacked from 
behind. Basically, you have to turn your back to them to give them the bravery to move up towards you. It's very intricate. Everything has its own specific reaction to the beat, and that is a wonderful gameplay value. Now, you would think with such a rhythm-driven game that there'd be a ton of controls. Well, there's not. The controls are mainly based around the four cardinal directions, where you can then move your character top, down, left, and right, and then combinations of those will allow you to do certain things, such as use bomb by pressing down and left, to use your first item by up and left, second item by up and right, to use your first spell by up and right, using different items with left and right, uh, using second spells with down and right, and so on and so forth. The different combinations of directions give you the ability to use certain things. Each of the cardinal directions can be bound to up to two keys at once, uh, basically, you can put them to the arrow keys on the keyboard, uh, as well as WASD or any combination of keys you want therein, or to anything on a controller. It is completely compatible with, uh, at least for my testing, a 360 controller, and I did test it out with a SNES USB controller, and it did work. Now, if that wasn't enough, on top of being able to use with the keyboard and a traditional controller, the game is capable of being used with a dance pad, very similar to the ones used for Dance Dance Revolution, and that was very popular in the 90s. This adds a very intriguing twist on the game, where you will actually physically interact with a basically a giant D-pad in order to accomplish all these goals, and to use all these same different combinations of up and down, left and right, up left, up right, in order to perform your actions. It's very, very cool, and it's something that hasn't been done recently, and marks this game as something a little bit beyond just the normal games that you find being released now. If that wasn't enough, there is a very big story with the game. Now, it revolves around a main heroine, a strong female lead, a young woman by the name of Cadence. Though other characters are unlocked and played as you progress through the game, uh, different characters are unlocked as you get different achievements or as you beat different bosses or areas. There are ten characters playable in the game, each with their own quirks. One is evenly openly genderqueer, as stated by the game developers, which is encouraging when combined with strong female leads. Cadence is the daughter of Melody and Dorian. Her uncle is Eli on her father's side, and her grandmother is Arya on her mother's side. Cadence goes to the crypt of the Necrodancer against the wishes of her uncle Eli in order to search for her father Dorian. Dorian, who is also Eli's brother, went to the crypt two years prior to the events in the game to find the golden loot. When Cadence arrives at the crypt, she begins digging for an entrance when suddenly the ground beneath her splits open. Cadence falls into the crypt, striking her head on a rock as she lands. Fatally wounded, Cadence lies motionless on the floor of the crypt until the Necrodancer appears and steals her heart, cursing it to forever beat to the music. The Necrodancer takes Cadence's heart to the heads to his lair deeper in the crypt. Cadence awakens shortly after, sensing that something is wrong, but ventures deeper into the crypt determined to save her father and lift the curse from herself. Now, the story revolves around the trio of female leads, Cadence, Melody, and Arya. As players progress through the levels, more story is revealed through vignettes that are beautifully drawn and also contain voice acting to relate the stories. In my limited playthrough so far, it has made me want to play more and more to find out exactly what happened with the story, because at first glance it seems like it's very simple. Go get the golden loot, go beat the Necrodancer, save the day. But the story is much more complicated than every vignette that I unlock shows that there is a deeper, deeper story going on. That's also very intriguing. Now, to say that this game has captured my heart is probably an understatement. 
It's a very rewarding and very difficult game. The gameplay mechanics are ingenious, and the fact that it only requires four cardinal directions in your controls, uh, it's not an accident. The game is... It's a very creative callback to games that use these four directional pads that were very popular in the 90s. Dance Dance Revolution is probably the most common, but it also intrinsically uses so much music to convey the story, to draw you into the game, and honestly, I find myself sitting down, tapping my feet, bobbing my head, and kind of grooving with the music. Now, I do love roguelike games. That Everybody who knows me knows that. But if you enjoy roguelikes, rhythm games, and if you just like to shake your booty to some really good music, I cannot recommend this game enough. Just like most other current roguelikes, the price for this is under $15 US dollars. And you can buy two alternate tracks to carry with you. I personally have all three soundtracks on my phone and listen to them frequently, and I find it quite, quite fun. This is a very deep game for what you get for the money. It has infinite replayability, the characters are all interesting and different, the items are all different and have different reactions... Uh, there's a bunch of tongue-in-cheek humor. As you can tell, most of the characters are named after uh, music terms, cadence, aria, melody, as are all of the villains that you face. Deep Blues is a uh, character boss that you face that is a royal royalty, but it's a chess set. Deep Blue has a double meaning there. It's a jazz blues band that also happens to be named after Deep Blue, the chess master machine, the computer. Lots of little things like that occur throughout the entire game, and it just makes it light and airy, but also intriguing and engaging, and it sets it apart from most of the other smaller titles that have been being released, and even rivals some of the AAA titles that have been coming out. One of the coolest things about this is one of the stories of how one of the alternate soundtracks came to be. A YouTube artist by the name of Family Jewel 7 x does video game covers. When Necrodancer was in its early release stages, he did a cover of the Zone 1 theme. He then sent this to the creator of the game, who loved it so much that he sent it to his publisher. The publisher was so in love with the cover that they contacted Family Jewel 7X and commissioned him to do an entire alternate soundtrack for the game. This is where the hard rock covers come in, with heavy driving beats, insane, intense guitars and bass lines. Absolutely phenomenal. But that's something that's really cool about this, where they took a fan who created something from their game, somebody who loved what they created, and gave them the opportunity to really, really contribute. Not only just by saying, yes, come support our project, but let's hire you to make it even better. Let's raise it to another level. They also then allowed him to... He's going to be able to sell it as a separate album, uh, Aria's Ascent, and it's just kind of cool to see how that sort of evolved. Again, this is a game that I think everybody should at least pay attention to, and if you even remotely like roguelike games, this is definitely something you should check out. Let's go. 
conversation, a little more action. He better be. He's talking about Mad Max. I haven't looked at that either. <laughs> I did. It looks interesting. There he is. You got a comment about Warhammer, even though you didn't hear what he had to say? <laughs> Do you give a rat's ass? This is why you join us live in the audience. We're pros. <laughs> we know what we're doing. Clean as fuck. So, right, I think I'm back up and running. You think so? Yes. Okay. Do you got a comment about uh, Warhammer? Nah. Nah. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> that will appear earlier like I knew what I was doing and nobody will ever know they just won't chat consider this your non-disclosure agreement he's not loopy on pain meds and wine well whatever close enough really I, think, I, I, I can think, fix uh, this I think in post. A certain somebody from work is listening to the podcast live because I just got pinged on Facebook fuck you Tino that's all I'm going to say <laughs> Sorry. Fucking Jared Leto. Oh, God. That has nothing to do with the conversation. <laughs> but nothing. Making great you wanted though, right? to tangent like that. It was like, we are so talking about Joker right now. I don't care what you say. <laughs> I, have of, I have a lot of rage against this one. I'm sorry. We're going to backtrack there and try to talk about video games again. <laughs> Not a freaking Joker with tattoos. God. <laughs> Whoa, horsey. Sorry. <laughs> I can't believe you beat me to the to the punch on Mad Max. I was like, oh, I'm going to put this in the... God damn it, right? <laughs> So I can I put your name on it? He did. I know you muted yourself. <laughs> I know you muted yourself. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I it wasn't like all of a sudden, free. see, see, I have a good dog. See, see how quiet it is? Shut up. You muted yourself. <laughs> I didn't even say, I'm not even claiming otherwise. All you need is stone heart and a steel. Make sure to stop by Popcorn Ronin. We had a fantastic episode yesterday on a couple of sci-fi anime movies. The Girl Who Leapt Through Time as well as Ghost in the Shell. We had a fantastic time chatting about these and you'll probably enjoy it. So go to Popcorn Ronin for that. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. 
We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.